welcome to Painted Bread Quarterly's podcast, The Slush Pile. We're so glad that you're uh, sharing some time with us today. I hope if you're out walking, it's somewhere beautiful. I hope if you're traveling, it's too somewhere beautiful. And if you're cooking, I'm sure it's delicious. Um, we are going to uh, chat today about a couple poems from Emily Puffer Tenorino, Pulfer Tenorino. Sorry, Emily. And um, the we uh, is comprised of a pretty nice group today. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. So I'm Kathleen Volk Miller. And um, again, so excited to say hello to Marion Wren. Hello, friends and family and slushy crew. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've, I've been with this gang and I'm so delighted to be back and talking about poems. I'm here in Abu Dhabi, um, but headed back to the U.S. and bouncing back and forth because clearly it's, um, you know, the edge of the pandemic and we're able to move around the world with a little bit more ease. Um, so I'm going to bounce it to Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Marion. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Samantha Neukebauer, and I am here in my new apartment in Washington, D.C. Just excited. Um, and I'm going to pass it to our northern neighbor, Dagny. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Hi, Dagny here, calling in from up north in Canada, we have a lovely warm day here and speaking to that ease of movement. Um, just this morning, my stepdaughter left after a week long visit here. She was visiting from the UK, hadn't seen her since uh, pre-COVID. So wow. that's been pretty special. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. How great. So oh, I'm going to bounce it to sound engineer Anthony because I think our Jason can't speak. <laughs> I'm a little, a little under the weather, but I can still participate. And okay. thanks for I won't make anyone else sick. Yeah. Thank you for not making me feel bad because I was not <laughs> sure to hand it to Jason afterwards or not. But hi, <laughs> I'm Anthony L. And I think today is a pretty nice day outside. 71 degrees, it says on my phone. I've been pretty much running around everywhere. So <laughs> this is my first time sitting down, but excited to be here as always. Yay. I was gonna say, isn't that sad that you know what the weather's like? You look at your phone. Slushies, <laughs> anyway, what you can't see is there's a window right behind Anthony's head too. <laughs> well, that's why he said he thinks it's nice. Right. He did look out Thank the window. Know. Right, exactly. Well, I've gotten changed twice today. I don't know what's happening. It looks like it's pretty warm, but it's very windy, very breezy. But Jason's voice will sound unlike what it usually does, slushies. Um, those who know him. So the croaky one is Jason today. I and um, that, that is me. I'm croaking. Yeah, and this <laughs> is going to be great. We're um, discussing the work of Emily Pulford Torino. We have two poems today. And um, can I voluntold you, Dagny? Oh, sure. Thank you. All right. Oh, and there is um, kind of a reference at the top of it. Do we want to do it first? Uh, I would actually read the title and then we read the epigraph. Yeah. And we yeah. can go right into the epigraph. Okay. All right. Yeah. Grunge and glory. Epigraph. You're kidding. Tell me you're kidding. At least I'll know where to find my new wardrobe this year in the nearest dumpster. Talk about the emperor's new clothes. Tisk tisk. From a letter to the editor in Vogue, U.S., February 1993. 
What's more glorious than a girl in a field curled in the whorl of a deer bed, alfalfa haloing her dreams of fashion magazines while she plies matted hay, untatting her world? Bales score the landscape, parceling endlessness, parsing this solo tableau while her heroes wrench their music into being in Seattle, gray time zones away. What's grunge, if not her dense crochet of cast off couture curated from dumpsters and worn with a frisson of pride and shame. Flowering nightgown, old ski boots, sweater turned lace in places by moths and age. And this field, like where models pose in vogue, each page itself a piece of land and an ethos framed inside a storyboard. Nice, thank you. The very pleasurable poem to read, the language right. in it is, is, is really lovely. There's kind of just this wonderful flow to it, the um, kind of rhymes that come in the middle of lines and, and just a, a real yeah. attention to sound in it that I love. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking, great words. Great words. This yeah, month. like beautiful word choices, neat word choices. Yeah. And I, I love the project of it, right? So it's sort of, it is an ecrastic, but it's ecrastic to a magazine layout and the response from a, a reader to a magazine layout, right? Like I, I that that seems like such a cool approach to the problem of like the pro, quote, air quotes on problem of pop culture and poetry. So if I'm understanding that correctly, right, like the, oh, the poem is really about this layout, right? Absolutely. And I think calling it an ecrastic, Marion, I mean, that's such a good point because, you know, um, yeah, photography is an art form. Um, magazine layouts by extension, especially ones focused on aesthetic fashion, um, you know, is, is another type of art form. So, yeah, it is an ecrastic. I think that's, that's a great way of looking at it. And I certainly read it the way you're reading it. Yeah, I think there's something also like unburdened by the quote again problems of like magazines about it that's really nice that takes me back to like when I looked at magazines like in a way that was just like another kind of dreamy fantasy and I don't mm -hmm. think you can ever get that back but I felt it again reading this poem. Yeah I know what you mean it, it, it definitely evokes something that way I remember I had uh older male cousins who came to visit when I was turning like 16 or 17 and they brought I think it was a European Vogue I've never had one but I remember being kind of beguiled you know I was like "Ooh, what's this uh -huh. beguiled is such a good word too for that <laughs> experience right I hated grunge so much <laughs> <laughs> just really couldn't stand it from start to finish Oh, come on. I bet you looked really hot in a sleeveless flannel. Oh, no, I was. Well, I mean, in those days, I was I was, you know, bone fit. I was I was not I was incredibly slender. You can pick me up, you know, like spin me over your head. But um, no, I, I, I sort of I, I, but I do remember this moment where I was like, wait, that's fashion. What right. we're all just gonna look like yeah. heroin addicts in a field because we're farmers, but we're wearing things yeah. we bought in Seattle thrift shops. Like I, I sort of, I sort of loved the crankiness of the um, letter to the editor, and and I, I remember that time. I remember that you know, like everyone suddenly wearing these like crocheted caps on the runway, 
of mm-hmm. fashion shows and this sort of like you know there's there's I don't know probably it brought me back to that little moment in my in my now that I'm old enough to properly be cranky um, it has uh-huh. my voice I mean this is I'm gonna if we're gonna be cranky like now it's, it's really cranky. working oh yeah that might be the title of the episode properly cranky <laughs> um I think that uh, Emily has done an amazing job of just encapsulating the incongruity of these of these layouts you know the models are always doing something inexplicable you know nonsensical right wearing clothes that make no sense where they are you know and and so it wasn't only the grunge for me it was that too just any any of the vogue layouts like how actually silly they are you know if you just think for a moment um absolutely you know milking a cow in in sequence right like that that <laughs> you heels. would see that don't sure, forget the right? heels yeah yeah right so um uh the these descriptions bring that in mind for me too the incon- the senselessness of vogue layouts or any fashion magazine and it's and it's like it, it does intellectualize it too right like it's this like re, re like a defense against the the crankiness right um, and then the sort of like the explicit sort of like language, like ethos, right? Like an ethos framed inside a storyboard um, is sort of appeals to the sort of, I don't know, the cultural nerd in me, like the culture studies nerd, like the poem functions almost as a kind of cultural studies approach to fashion magazines, creating that sense of uh, aspirational sensibility right um and there's such a long history of that in in you know advertising and magazine cultures i think this is a poem that i would love to show people who um don't usually read poetry like a lot of friends who like magazines even like i'd love to go back in time and show some like girlhood friends and i don't always think that about poems that we read and select on here i think oh i'd love to share this with like someone else who is you know, appreciating poetry. Um, but this, I feel it could have a wide appeal. What right. a great thought. Yeah, I really agree, Sam. Yeah. Do we like the couplets? I love the couplets. I just find it gives this whole piece a lightness. There's a lot of air mm. around it. Um, and I suppose couplets too have a certain uh, tradition attached to them. Um, it's the same whimsy of the girl in the sequin dress. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a style choice. Yeah. Right. And it does like, it just sort of pulls you along with the pleasure of the language that you all pointed out, right? What's grunge if not her dense crochet of cast off couture curated from dumpsters, line break, stanza break, and worn with a frisson of pride and shame? flowering nightgown, old ski boots, sweater turned lace in places by moths and age. Like it just, it's, it, it's delightful, like to have, mm-hmm. to, to have that in your mouth. <laughs> um, and I also find that somehow it feels very organic, even though it's clearly curated itself. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, I think that's part of what I love so much about it. It's doing both of those things for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much play, all these beautiful words, right? Filled with beautiful words, Mm. but then so much play with it. You know, at times we get 
a lot of, we get alliteration, we get internal rhymes within the lines, we get, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to bring something that's outside of the poem to this, which is there's this podcast called You Must Remember This, and it's the podcaster Karina Longworth. Um, and she's doing a, like a couple of episodes focused on sex and sex appeal in the 90s, like eroticism mm. in the 90s. And she, I, John and I were just doing a long drive and listening to this podcast about Drew Barrymore and... Um, Oh, who was the Long Island Lolita? Amy Fisher. Oh, yeah. Amy, yeah. yeah. And Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> so this poem has nothing to do with Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco, but bear with me for a minute. So what, what Longworth is doing though, is looking at how female, like teenage female sexuality was presented in the nineties and the sort of general mis- misreading of Nabokov's Lolita so that Lolita was used as a term, almost like an aspirational commodification of girls, right? Of teenagers, right? And what I love about this poem, right? Is it invokes grunge, it invokes fashion, female bodies, and, and it's actually not dipping into that reproduction of this like, you know, the nymphette or the coquette uh, in, in, its, in its, you know, representation of, of grunge and fashion. Um, so we'll put the, a link to that podcast yeah. in, in the show notes for sure. Um, but, you know, it's it's not about, you know, uh, the hypersexualized body and it's not doing the sort of um, continuum of Drew Barrymore slash Amy Fisher. Um, oh, I love that. But if you it's such a fun name to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jason just nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the, I, I love this point. It's so true. There's nothing sexualized about this poem at all. It's yeah. very much about the poet's project and undertaking this poem. And that's what's delivered and felt. Yeah. yeah. I, I also, um, what you said, Mary, reminds me, I was listening to this podcast called Sentimental Garbage. Um, it's an Irish podcast. It's great. Um, <laughs> and um, they had Curtis Siddenfield on. And she was talking about how when she watched Dirty Dancing, you know, she was like a quiet book girl and she could watch Dirty Dancing though and not be overcome with like jealousy and envy. Like at the dancer, she could like appreciate that and she doesn't know why and, you know, all these things. And I feel that way also about this poem. Like I didn't feel like, um, maybe it's because I'm older, but I didn't feel the same way as I kind of said in the beginning as I did when I looked at these magazines at a certain age. Like right. it was inaccessible. Like for me, the fantasy of this poem for some reason is very beckoning. It's very inviting rather than like pushing me out. Mm. Yeah. Well said, Sam. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, all y'all, are we ready to vote? I think so. Yeah. Oh, what are we going <laughs> to, slushies, we had to shut our cameras off um, because we were having technical difficulties and now we can't see each other. So, um, are we going to jump in the chat, y'all? Or instead of yeah, thumbs? Or you wanna... Sounds good. All right. One, two, three, vote. <laughs> and it's, it's unanimous. It's like an abacus. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, and now uh, Marion and, and Sam have to duke it out. Who's feeling more like reading right now? Sam, Samantha? Are you feeling like reading or can I grab it? I think you can grab it. 
All right. So okay. um, lovely, 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 lovely. Okay. So I'm going to grab it. And Emily Pulfer Torino, thank you for, for reminding me of the great chain of being, right? So the, the title of this poem is Scala Naturae, um, which I do, which refers to the great chain of being. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. All right. So Scala Naturae. Naturae? I, well, slushies forgive me um, for my mispronunciations. Like prying pods of milkweed, so those astral seeds effuse, unseeming magazine ads for perfume. Anointing my wrists with scented glue, running each over the edge of a page, testing scents I aspire to buy and classifying my olfactory taxonomy. Grass evoked the world I'd known with hints of rain and magnolia, slight as fog above an unmown field. DNA's rosemary, oak moss, and mint, ancient and clear as purpose. Glass spiraled bottle signifying sentience and enduring iteration, both ethereal and hyperreal. Destiny offered apricots, orchids, and roses, bottle opaque as an eyelid. Veil of petal sheer as promise. Samsara was amber, sandalwood, lang lang, peach, syllabically lulling its S and A, extending, repeating, suggesting endlessness. Cycle of birth and death rebranded as serenity in ongoingness. Angels burst of praline and patchouli lit the crystal facets of that star, making heaven of my pulse and ordinary air. Oh, love that's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I would just like to take a bath in that poem, please. Right. It is, read it. I have to say, I'm so struck, so struck at how difficult it is and how rare it is to to write well about scent and this poem does that like talk about a bold move like i mean and slushies think about that like how many poems do you know that really capture scent right um in a in a powerful way and and throughout the entire piece it's not like it's just a moment yeah yeah exactly and right it's a, a reflection on the it's like make it's it is making sense of scent as the poem, which holy schmazoli, that's ambitious. <laughs> ambitious and, and it's beguiling. There's that word again. I'm just beguiling. Double, double down on beguiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when I said I would like to take a bath in that poem with, you know, okay. and just hearing it over and over again. It's just sensuous, sensuous, those sounds. Like, you know, usually I have a strong reaction to list poems, a negative one, right? Uh, and this feels uh, like it deserves every list that it does give us um, because the choices are so extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if anybody else feels this, but the fact that Jason is is on the call and unable to speak I feel like I'm having a conversation in my head with him and what I'm, am I saying? I don't know. I'm like, are you, are you in, do you have a strong reverse reaction to list poems? I, I often do. Well, uh, I often have a strong reverse reaction to anaphora, 
that list mm-hmm. poems that always begin with kind of like the same thing where I kind of start skipping the repeated part because I just want to get to the thing at the end. But with yeah. this one, mm. though, I, was, I was kind of tumbling through it. I was really disoriented in this kind of really pleasurable way. I'm thinking about the ways in which, <coughs> sorry, I, I, I missed the mute button, uh, that disorientation is a kind of orientation. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to jump in because I think that happens to me as the reader in the first two lines, like prying pods of milkweed. So those astral seeds effuse is like, like such an interesting simile. Right. And like almost like, I don't know why it reminds me of like Yoda. Like there's a, the, the syntax is a little like off-putting to my, to my eye. Mm. And my, but once I catch the image, right, like the milk pod pried open and the seeds floating, I am a hundred percent in this poem, right? It takes a minute for my brain to settle into that analogy. And oh, once it's there, I'm in. And then there you are with anointing of the wrists, mm-hmm. the scented glue. I mean, I, I can feel it. <laughs> I can picture it. I know the action required that unseeming. Um, right. the magazine ads to to anoint the wrist and then you're it just opens up this entire sensory right. experience which is all around the smell right. the scent and Dagny, that's that's the thing I think in like old school publishing those were called like those old flyers that like that would be tucked in a magazine were called blow-ins right because when yes. you would like open up the magazine shit would fall out that was like on purpose right so you would bend yeah. down and get whatever the ad is. So the, like the perfume ads too, right? Like I, I really like this preoccupation with material culture, commercial consumer culture, and the magazine as the object for all of this reverie. And I, and it, it really just does point you to the experience of, of experiencing it. But, but as we're talking about it now, I'm just thinking about how incredible it is that there's been this whole industry that not only does it produce the magazine and everything that goes into the pages of the magazine, but then there, there's there's actually a mechanical process for um, putting, you know, sealing scent into these packages that will then fall out of the magazine as you flip through it I mean that you know that that's someone's job they <laughs> like that's kind of that's kind of incredible now that's not what this poem is about at all but it's really making me think about the complexity of the systems that we've created and and live in and and I love that actually this poem has nothing to do with that it just is purely about kind of floating down this river of scent Mm-hmm. Well, you know that line there, unseeming magazine ads for perfume. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about those ones that force you to open to them because they are sewn in the binding, right? And then they would have a little dotted line, a perforated line, and you could pull them out mm-hmm. and you could throw them in your underwear drawer. That's right. That's I, what I did after <laughs> I rubbed them on my wrist. I love this because... Well, for two reasons, I I love the the opening image of 
um, you know, getting that that magazine ad perfume. And what I think is interesting, um, especially of things like I think of from my childhood, like in the 90s, is that so much of it is um, almost cannibalized by the internet. Like there could be this little meme or, you know, this little square tile that's like, remember these. And it will just have that picture. Right. But it's not right. artful or anything. Like it's just like a second of like recognition and then you move on. Whereas this poem actually lets me like sit in that memory for a minute and like you kind of said in the beginning Mary and like really go on this like sensory journey um that is just really satisfying it's so much more satisfying than if I saw this on like 30 AF or some kind of other site online that's playing on nostalgia and and thank Sam Samantha I love that right it does it does play on nostalgia but it it does so by I mean, look at that last line, right? Making heaven of my pulse and ordinary air, right? Like that goes with, I think what Kathy was saying too about the sort of the real specialness of like, like, like prying open those scents, right? From those like little cardboard inserts, smelling it and then keeping it in your underwear drawer, right? Um, or putting it on your body. And suddenly it's just that combination of, of, you know, like the chemistry of your skin and air. And suddenly there's this magic scent that's been delivered to you in a, through a magazine. Like it's, you know, Samantha, I think you're absolutely right. Like it really does bring the experience of that nostalgia into the body, right? As opposed to just like looking at a snapshot of remember these, right? Um, yeah. Oh, and that, that's so much deeper because it's evoking what the reader's experience was yeah. Yeah. rather than what, you know, rather than one of these come along with me sort of moments, it, it really, it's taking yeah. you back. Yeah. Um, and I just love that, 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 that gentle slant rhyme with the last two lines as well, that makes that final line feel a little bit more special too. It's a lovely way to wrap it up of lit the crystal facets of that star making heaven of my pulse in ordinary air. So good. Are, are you familiar? Cause I, like, I mean, Angel I know is a Mugler um, scent and mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's describing the the bottle. Do you, do you know the different scents? Like, I mean, are you familiar with like grass and DNA and Samsara? Um, believe it or not, uh, I was just at a perfumery in Cairo and I went as such a raging tourist and, and got, you know, sort of upsold into these scents and it really went down the list. Like here's the scent, here's some Sara, right. And um, so, so yes, but I'm no expert um, in them. How about you, Jason? They're, they're women's scents. So I would, I would know, like, I know the Mugler men's line. I don't know that. Yeah. I recognize some Sara, but, but not the others. I, I really I don't sense. know anything. Well, <laughs> I'm one of those people that's worn the same thing for 30 years. So yeah. I don't know any of them. Oh, do tell then. Right? I, no, I don't know any of them because I've only worn one scent for but my you must tell us what your one scent yeah, is. Yeah, what's your scent? Oh yeah. sure. Oh, it's laughable compared to these, but it's um uh white musk from the body shop. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's it, on that note, like at this perfumery place, they were like giving you the like essential, like the essential scent, right? So like the Lang Lang, for instance, they were like, here's Magnolia, here's Lang Lang. So you can get those scents, right? But then they were like, 
And then we can imitate any scent that's on the market. So um, what's the Joe, Joe, somebody, Joe Malone. They're like, here's Joe Malone. Oh yeah, Joe Malone. Joe Malone is 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 what I have. Yeah. Is that is that your scent? Okay. So I it's a citrus one from from Joe Malone's line. Yeah. Yeah. So Kathy, like that that was the other thing that they were offering. They were like, here are like the basic scents, and then we can do any combination and imitate any of the fanciest possible brands that you want, but put it in your own glass bottle and send you away with it. And I didn't know what to ask for because I don't know the sense, right? So to Jason's That's question. That's cool though. That's cool. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, do you guys want to vote? <laughs> yeah, let's vote and let's get you out of here, right? We can wrap the show, I think. Well, okay, slushies. I think that we already know how this vote's going to go, but we should vote and we'll put it in the chat again since we can't see each other right now. You ready? Vote. And... Oh my goodness, it might be no surprise whatsoever to <laughs> Emily, Pul- Emily Pulford Torino or Slushies, but we have voted uh, unanimously yes again. Yahoo! So, uh, thank you so much, Emily Pulford Torino, for allowing us to discuss them on the show and for thinking of us in the first place. And um, we are honored to publish these two poems. Thank you so much. Yay! Um, Thank you, gang, for putting up with uh, technical difficulties today and for being here. It was really nice to have a larger group today. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Glad everybody came. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, Slushies, let us know how we're doing and keep on reading. Woohoo!